Hello, friends, and welcome to Peace Reform Church's brand new podcast, Reducing Religion. My name's Cameron, and apart from being the director of children's ministry at Peace Church, I will also be the host of this podcast. Now, for our first episode, I'm so excited to bring you a conversation between Pastor Verlin and myself. We talk about quite a few subjects, but we really focus in on grief. Given the times that we're in, all of us are feeling a little isolated. We thought that grief would be a good first topic. Hope you enjoy. Hi, everybody. Pastor Verlin here. Um, I often tell people that I've been a minister since I was five years old. My grandfather always uh, called me little preacher when he saw me every Sunday. And uh, I think part of the reason um, I got so focused on things to do with grief and counseling is that uh, he died shortly after I told my parents that I was going to be a minister. And so I remember clearly being at his funeral and uh, praying and asking God why this had to happen and asking if I could have time out to talk to my grandpa. And so ever since that time, I've been focused on uh, the hard and challenging places in people's lives and uh, what I can do to be there for them at those hard times. All right. So Verlin and I have talked about doing a podcast for a while, mainly where we just sit down and have a conversation about religion, about Christianity, about the challenges that we all face, and maybe to just get some experiences um, or identify some qualities that we want to replicate in our everyday lives. But we're actually starting off on a completely different note. And that is with, uh, we're going to focus on grief. Berlin, why are we starting with grief? Well, as everybody is well aware, we're in the midst of this pandemic and uh, being forced to stay at home and thinking about what it would be like to have the disease and hearing the reports on the news of the number of people who are dying and many who are dying alone just made us uh, kind of wonder back to how much do we talk about grief and how much do we know about grief and how much do we support each other at a time of grief and um, even further than to say, what are the things that we could do to prepare for grief without being too morose or too heavy Still, there might be some things that we could do that would be helpful, not only for ourselves, but for the people that we love. Yeah, so this is a super interesting time to be talking about grief, a super interesting topic. I have always thought that grief is like the monster under my bed, where I felt very uncomfortable acknowledging that it is there, because I, I felt weak, and, and that I don't know why. That might be a societal thing, it, it might be a... Uh, you know, that I see myself as a man and I have to be strong and that might just be a, a stereotype. Is, is that like a common thing to experience? Oh, I think it's very common. Um, people are afraid of death because it's the great unknown. And so one of the things that people do naturally is when you don't know, you try to deny it exists. So I don't think that's unusual at all. In fact, there is a famous book written a couple decades ago called The Denial of Death. And it really explores that whole notion that we don't want to accept our own humanity. We don't want to accept the fact that uh, inevitably we will all die. And so uh, to not think about it is to, to not have to face the reality of it and all the implications of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful to accept our own humanity. 
it just seems like that is a we are always on that timeline of accepting humanity and and, and I don't know if that ever will be achievable um, that might not be a, a benchmark um, to to have I you know just being in in isolation or quarantine for the past few weeks I've been confronted with myself now more than ever because I'm just with myself all the time and that is a very vulnerable place to be and there's like almost levels to it yeah yeah I think that's well said and um you you realize you find your brain going in a lot of different directions that often you don't even have time to think of some of those thoughts or if you have a lot of free time uh thoughts just pop into your head that normally don't show up and so yeah the the being confined to our homes uh forces us to look in the mirror, if you will, and uh, take a good assessment of what is it that we believe? What is it that we value? Uh, what am I afraid of? What do I uh, truly enjoy? And how do, how do I uh, honor all of that as it exists in my life? I find that if I start thinking about these things in the morning, it's very easy for it to railroad my entire day. <laughs> that's true and I, I think that's not unusual um sometimes uh it can be helpful for people to to literally kind of schedule in your thinking time about strange things to, to write it down on a calendar or enter it into your cell phone and say all right from 2 to 2 30 i'm going to think about my own mortality but then when 2 30 comes i'm going to get on my bicycle and ride and enjoy the beautiful weather out there so it's like you you save space for it, but you don't let it take over your whole time. Yeah. Do you, what you just mentioned, I think is brilliant to, you know, set a definitive time. I even like to set a definitive place where yeah. I have a chair in my office and that's where I'll do anything that's not work related. If I feel like I need to meditate for the day or think about things, that's, is that another common practice? Absolutely. Uh, we're continually discovering that place is uh, incredibly important in how we process information. Where you sit, which direction you're looking, um, and repetitive behavior in certain places uh, where you sit, for example, uh, is crucial in how you process information. And also sometimes it can really be helpful for you to get a different perspective, listen to the word itself. I need a different perspective on that. And you can do that simply by getting up and sitting in a different place in the room. And so um, <clears throat> while it's great to get into that habit and using that chair for meditation, sometimes you do need to get up and go on the other side of the room and maybe even imagine yourself sitting in that chair and wonder about all the things that you've been thinking about. Yeah, that, that's... Wow, that's some powerful stuff. Now, when so if I'm sitting in my chair and I'm, I'm thinking about things and, and something comes up, something arises um, that is grief-related, are there any kind of like exercises or anything that I can do to just allow myself to process that fully? Yeah, I think um, one of the first things that I would say is that any reaction comes up is normal. And so if there's a, a feeling that shows up or a thought that comes in, when you're dealing with grief stuff, especially, uh, that stuff is all normal. And I say that because I think you don't want to put yourself in a position of thinking, oh, I'm going crazy, or uh, what's wrong with me, or this isn't, nobody else has these thoughts. 
because almost everybody does and perhaps everybody does. So when those come, I think the first thing is to figure out how do I stay calm? How do I stay centered? How do I sort of welcome these thoughts and, and just get curious about them? Um, the boy, curiosity is one of the biggest gifts that we as human beings have, I think, so that when internal stuff emerges, can I just set aside um, things for long enough to be curious about, wow, wonder what that thought's all about, or wow, that feeling kind of surprises me. I wonder what, what's in it for me to learn. How important is it before that takes place to give yourself permission to go on that journey? I think it's incredibly important. And, and most people don't want to do that journey because it's hard work. Um, you, have to, you have to deal with feelings and thoughts that are, can be uncomfortable. But uh, if you don't, here's the thing that I say often, what you're not conscious of, you tend to become victim of. And I think if you're not conscious of the thoughts you're having or the feelings you're having, they can, they can cause you to do things or think things that you don't know where they come from and you don't know what to do with them. And so I think raising your consciousness, raising your awareness and allowing uh, those thoughts, new thoughts or frightening thoughts or whatever thoughts to sort of be your teacher um, allows you to sort of integrate and know yourself better so that um, you, your, your capacity to embrace yourself and others just increases tremendously. I think this kind of segues to where, you know, I was hoping the conversation would go, which is, so we're, you know, on this journey, we've given ourselves permission and, and we're dealing with those thoughts. At what point does forgiveness come into this? Yeah, that's a, I think you're right. This is where this goes. I think that's, if, um, some of us have heard about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and one of the things that she gave us was the five gifts. And this is what shows up at the time of someone's death, nearing their death, or even after they've died. And the five gifts have uh, these different pieces that I think we'll probably explore down the road a little bit. But the first one that she mentions is, I forgive you, please forgive me. Um, I think forgiveness is probably number one. If you take the time to slow down and think about your life, often the things that pop up uh, quickly are the things that you're ashamed of or that you feel guilty about. And they may be 40 years old and you're still dealing with them. And so forgiveness is fundamental, uh, foundational to healing in the grief process. It's probably good if I say a couple of things about forgiveness. Um, interestingly, the word in Greek means to let go. So every time you read the word forgive in the New Testament, it means to let go. And every time it shows up, it shows up in a verb tense that implies a continuous action. So you're continually letting go. It was illustrated lovely when... Uh, the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, how often should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And he says, no, 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 no. Seventy times seven. Well, it's not the magic number of 490 times. I think it's more about the point of uh, forgiving your brother, somebody close to you, is going to demand a lot of conscious choosing to let go. And the way I illustrate this, I actually did this at Peace Church once. I don't uh, even remember if it was in the eight o'clock service or what, but 
we took balloons and we asked people to blow them up and hold on to them and realize how bound they were by holding on to things that as they blew up were represented things that were unforgiven in their life. And we did a prayer confession and at the word amen, I invited people to let go of the balloon. Well, you can imagine balloons were flying everywhere and there was noise. But the crazy thing is, is that almost everyone could spot their balloon and you could go pick it up again and hold on to it again and fill it up again. And, and the whole notion of forgiveness is to continually choose to let that balloon go until maybe one day you don't pick it up again. You don't think about it. And I think um, there's a um, misconception, particularly in our faith and our tradition that says, well, you should forgive and forget. I don't think that's really possible. I think you can forgive, but we almost never forget. And, and not to bring this back to death, but, you know, I, so I've experienced, I never received forgiveness nor gave forgiveness to an individual before they passed. And that is something that I carry on my shoulders because I have not found a good way to to process that. It, is there a way to, to feel like I have, you know, fully, you know, fully provided that forgiveness? That's a great question. And you're right. It doesn't always, the timing isn't always perfect. So um, the thing that I found is that it, it often doesn't matter if it's uh, happens at the time of death or not. What's more important is that you actually do something about it. So there are a couple of techniques that uh, chaplains often use and grief counselors often use and therapists use. Is one is called an empty chair. You uh, imagine the person you love sitting in a chair across from you and you tell them what you need to tell them that you didn't tell them while they were still living. Um, you probably know what they would answer back and you wait to hear in your head what they would actually say to you. This can be a very powerful emotional experience for you to do that and it's probably good to have somebody in the room with you kind of guiding the process. But if that feels too weird to you and, and for some people it just doesn't work, um, another thing I would highly recommend is to write a letter to the loved one and put down on paper what it was that you needed or wanted to say and then maybe even to ask them um, for what it was that you needed from them. And I've encouraged people to then write the letter back from the loved one who has died, because I think you probably know um, what they would say, or even just reading it to yourself after you've written it, imagining it coming from them can be tremendously healing. Um, the thing that needs to be said about forgiveness, Cameron, is, is that, um, it's a lifelong process for things, depending on how great the offense was. And I fully uh, don't expect to forgive everything that needs to be forgiven in my life by the time I die. I just hope to be down the road a lot farther. And maybe some things, some big things might be at 80% by the time I die. And I think that's probably gonna be good enough. Yeah, that, that, I think that kind of circles back to the accepting humanity. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, there are just aspects of our life that we will never complete. And that's weird to say. I feel like that's a very vulnerable thing to say. But I'm finding myself now more than ever being confronted with mortality and humanity with just the current situation. 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's very true. Yeah, one, one of the, you know, if there is any good thing that is going to come out of this, to see nations come together is super inspirational. Yeah. Um, and then that's, you know, it's, it's so easy to look at something like this and to just be overwhelmed with grief and death. Um, that, and that, you know, that's how it can really railroad your day. Yeah. But it can be so hard to let small things of positivity in there. How, how can I do that more often? If my day has just been totally sidetracked by this. Yeah. It's a great question. And, and you remind me again of the, the other uh, gift from Kubler-Ross was that she talked about the five stages of grief. And um, I think one of the things that we have to own is that um, this whole thing has put us into those first couple of stages of shock, denial, and anger. <laughs> and so uh, when you're experiencing all of that, it's really hard to be positive at first. Um, and, and so we need to honor that part of the grief process in ourselves to know that this pandemic, suddenly it has us all a bit in shock. It has us all a bit in denial. All has us all a little bit angry. You know, why is this happening? And we don't know where to go with those feelings. And so um, the first step to me is always uh, about acknowledging them. Yeah, I'm really feeling that, you know, and that's okay. That's normal. Um, and then to maybe set some time limit on it again is a possibility. Maybe finding a, a group of people to talk this through with, you know, what, what's the hardest part for you as you think about this uh, pandemic stuff going on, or when you think about your loved one having died. Um, just giving space to, to be able to give voice to the feelings is just really, really important. It seems like we're just circling back to permission. And you have to give yourself permission almost almost like the first thing in the morning. Like, I'm going to feel the way I feel. And that's... Yeah. yeah. I think there are, sometimes it's um, people kind of get this thing in their head that says, uh, because I'm a person of faith, I shouldn't have these feelings. Or because um, I'm as old as I am, I shouldn't think these thoughts. And I, I think that's just not true. I think those feelings are just part of being human. And if we can, again, welcome them in and say, wow, uh, isn't that interesting that I'm feeling or reacting that strongly? Um, that says something important is going on here, and I probably need to learn from it. This is uh, an uncomfortable thing for me to acknowledge, given that I am in a position uh, in a religious organization and I am a follower of Christianity. I you know, whether justifiably or unjustifiably, I hold things against God. I, <laughs> I, I do. And so there are some times where I want to seek a forgiveness path with him. Is that like out of the ordinary, you know, am, am I going crazy here? No, 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 no. Um, I was just smiling to myself as you were talking because uh, I'm with you totally on that. I, I'm angry at God at several things. And I think, you know, if we keep talking about a relationship that we have with uh, other people in our lives, why wouldn't a relationship with God be any different? Uh, most times when we're angry, it's because we don't understand behavior. 
And so uh, that anger at God is totally justified because we don't get what's going on or why it's going on. And I think the best thing to do is to work through that anger, not to deny it. Um, because when you get through it on the other side, I think it's, it's often a place of understanding and deeper appreciation and deeper love. Yeah. yeah. So this is our first podcast. Goal is once a week to just bring conversations to the public. Um, you had mentioned the five gifts of death. I think that will be our roadmap for at least the next five podcasts. This one was about religion. Do you mind just outlining the other four? Yeah. The, so the first one is, I forgive you. Please forgive me. The second one is, um, thank you. Uh, and that's an opportunity to express appreciation for all that's transpired. The third one is, we'll be all right. The fourth one is, I love you. And the last one is, goodbye. So we'll spend some time just reflecting on each of those and the implications for our relationships and life together. Yeah, I absolutely love that. All right, well, that wraps up our first conversation. We hope that you enjoyed listening as much as we did talking about it. If you have any topics that you'd like us to cover or if you have any notes, any feedback, please don't hesitate to shoot us an email. My email is Cameron at peace-egan.org. For now, I hope everybody stays healthy, stays happy, and stays safe. We will see you next week when we talk about the second gift that death brings.